This is episode number 250. Do you care about what others think of you? With Casey Berman, Scott Mason, Nancy John, and Edward Bodenheimer. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our weekly conversation called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore the connection between gratitude and resilience, gratitude and grief, gratitude and appreciation, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work. And that is, if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting us in one of two ways. First, either leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. Second, making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today. Now, let's get back to the show. Hopefully, the bandwidth where I'm at can handle five streams right now, but let's just... uh plan for the best or plan for the whatever the phrase is you, you all you get the point <laughs> anyway I, I just appreciate all of you for being a part of this I'm really grateful to have had each and every single one of you in my life for I don't know however long it's been well over a year I know Nancy and I we met two years ago yeah something like that years. Scott and I closing in a year and a half and then Casey and Bodie, I think it's about a year. We got a one year anniversary coming up. Yeah. Okay. Aww. Good. Yeah. Remind me. Remind <laughs> me of the date. <laughs> remind me of the date because that is a situation that I do care what someone else thinks of me if I don't show up to that particular anniversary. So I'll remind you. <laughs> I, I'm glad that we're able to come together and have this conversation about. Do you care about what other people think of you or why do you care? And I figured that the best way to maybe even approach this topic, because it's, as you've known me previously, it, the question is relatively simple, but the conversation we're going to get into is going to be relatively complex just due to everyone's insights and perspectives. So I figured that the best way to start this off is maybe approaching it through the question of, do you care about what others think of you? And are there stories in particular that come to mind um, that can illustrate that point? And with that said, I'm going to pick a na- one of the names on the board, and that is Scott Mason. Would you like to kick us off? I'll kick us right <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank you. You know, for far too long in my life, especially as an adult, I cared a lot about what people thought about me because I worked for large organizations that were highly politicized, where decisions about your economic future or opportunities that might come your way were determined not by things like merit or work ethic or, or, or trivialities like that, but whether someone liked you or not. 
And so I became highly attuned to whether I was in favor or not and who around me was in favor or not and who liked who, especially who the person at the top liked. And if that wind sort of went away that I was not feeling comfortable with, I had to adjust accordingly. I also, because I cared so much about what others thought about me and where I was standing as a windmill in that constant cyclone, I was very stressed. I was constantly concerned about being fired. And that is no way to live. Over time, I've come to care less and less about that sort of affiliational um, impact of other people's opinion on my life, except insofar as whether you are creating enemies because of your behaviors, which shows that people are thinking negatively about you, you can, as an entrepreneur, which is the space that I'm in now, actually have a lot more room to be authentic, be yourself, and to not care. That being said, there are some people who I will never stop being very concerned about their opinion with regards to me. One of them is in this house right now. He's my <laughs> husband. He cooks for me. If y'all think I don't care what he thinks about me and I'm willing to live without food on my table, y'all just need to go without food for a while and, and see what that feels like. That's my answer. I'm sticking with it. Do you think, it, do you think it's possible not to care because – and I've said this the same exact way sometimes where I would say, oh, I don't care about what this person thinks. But I, I, I've wondered after a while if it's actually possible not to care and if it's more so I'm choosing to say that I don't choose to acknowledge what the person says in that particular way. But I, I've just – I'm curious. Is it possible not to care or do we always care? Like is care just something that is so ingrained with us as human beings that it's – no way to go around it but to care. I'll answer that very briefly, which is during the midst of the pandemic, there were, in New York City where I live, rules around being indoors and wearing masks or not. Now, my belief is that if I'm stepping into someone else's private property that I do not own and am engaging in a behavior that is totally voluntary on my part, I will obey the rules that you set for me being on your private property. Mm -hmm. That's just me. And so when there were dictates saying wear a mask inside here, I wore the masks, especially if it was a voluntary place. And one time someone got very angry at me for wearing a mask inside the, this place. And he said a swear word and, and stuck a finger up, flipped a bird at me. Did I care? No. <laughs> Sometimes I do not care. That's mm. the way it is. Sometimes they may think badly about me, by the way, and I revel in it. Sometimes I like it when people hate me because there are people that need to be hating me and I probably hate them too. I'm sticking with that as well. <laughs> wow. A lot to unpack. Let's just say that to say the least. <laughs> Nancy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, to your question, like, especially the second one that you asked around, like, is it possible? I think it's, is it possible not to care? I think is what you asked. I mean, it's interesting. I, you know, I think we've had this conversation several times, this idea of very polarizing, is it this or that? And I, and I really feel it's both and, 
So I look at even Scott's response to why do I care or do I care? And I would really resonate with that is like, yeah, I do care. And there's times I don't care and both, and they both can happen at the same time. So I, I feel that it is possible not to care. If there's a word that you used earlier around choosing, it's a choosing that I will do. Mm -hmm. I don't care. And, um, and it's something that, that sometimes is conscious sometimes because maybe the topic is inconsequential. I haven't really even thought about it. Um, so I, it is possible not to care in certain situations. It's choosing though. Um, and then I also choose to care. Uh, and it's important for me to recognize my choice in the matter because for a long period of time, I feel like I did it very unconsciously. So I think similar to Scott, where it was just the kind of this expectation, or I just grew up kind of feeling that, um, oh man, it matters. Like what, what other people think matters mm-hmm. in a very unhelp- unhealthy and unnecessary level of caring uh, about like the most insignificant things would keep me up. And I'm finding that that's, it's a process along the years where I'm letting go of it and, and letting go of it with actually no ill will to the person. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the, it's easier to let go and be like, I don't care when I don't like the person. It's so easy to do that. I'm like, I don't really care about this person, but it's a, it's those relationships where you're like, you know what? I actually do care about this person or I actually maybe something shifted in the relationship and I don't want this relationship is not, it's not necessary anymore, or it's, it's moved or it's changed or whatever, but to be able to let go of some of those things without ill will, that's been the work. Um, to kind of be like, okay, you know, how do I not, not care about something or what this other person thinks about X, Y, or Z without having to dislike this person Mm. or their opinion about something. And that's more of the work for me to be not attached to those kinds of things. Um, But it is a process. I can't say that I'm at a place right now where I don't care at all about anything. There are absolutely times where I'm like, I really shouldn't be caring about this but it's bothering me. I don't know why. Uh, but the awareness of it really helps me and recognizing that, you know what, I'm actually making a choice to do this right now. Nobody's making me do it. And it's, there's nothing forced. It's a choice. Um, and I'll have to work that through. So, so I, I feel there is value in caring because we're, none of us are islands unto ourselves. So we of course care about what other people think. Scott talked about his, uh, his husband, but you know, we have lots of extended relationships, friendships, work relationships where, you know, I actually care what you think. It mm-hmm. matters to me what you think. Um, it's just when it gets to that unhealthy, oh, why did he look at me like that? Oh, oh, why did they mean that? Well, would it nobody at? And then it becomes this complete other narrative and storyline that's been created where now I've become on the line of a pleaser, mm-hmm. which is the kind of moving away component for me. Uh, but but yeah, for me, when if someone was to say I don't I don't care what other people think, I'm like well, I don't know about that. Like that's unless you don't have any relationships with other people or have no desire for relationships, empathy, yeah. then yeah, then that's possible. I think to do that, mm-hmm. Casey. So so yes, I do, um, and I think to the question of why do you care about what others think of you, the answer I have is because it's out of survival. And, you know, if you go back to when we started Neanderthal days or, 
or pre-agriculture revolution, you know, way back then in small tribes, you, you had to care about where you were. And that's where our, our identity started because we had a consciousness level of, I am this person, that is that person. They're a good hunter. If I want to hold my end of the bargain in this tribe, I'm going to need to either hunt or I'm going to need to find another. And so it really is about survival. And, and we care per Scott, comment in in modern day in our current time around whether i'm going to get paid my salary or whether i'm going to get promoted and whether i'm going to survive financially or whether i'm going to survive survive reputationally so so that's why we do it i think you know caleb in the comments mentioned it's subjective and i do and i'll i'll where i'll take that is un, this is the lawyer in me but if we unpack and define what care means care is supporting people and helping, but care is also emphasizing or prioritizing. So why do we prioritize what one person says? And then the big question is, and not to get Bill Clinton on you, but is the you, who is the you? Mm -hmm. And you may say, what are you talking about? But as long as we think of ourselves as I, me, you, that's the duality. And so we're always going to care because we're putting ourselves as separate from someone else. Now, the great sages, the Buddha, those who are enlightened know that we're all one. John Lennon said it. We're all one. We're all the same energy. That energy that flows, that karma, that getting in the zone, when you meditate, that doesn't care mm -hmm. what others think because that is the other. That is everything, right? Um, and so – where I see is that if you're able to kind of have one foot in this matrix where you do care, but also kind of have one foot in the next dimension where you just sort of laugh at it all and go, okay, um, that's ideal. Too bad. Too often I'm with both feet in the matrix and getting stressed out about what people, <laughs> what people think. And so that's why we care. I think that's, if I unpack that sentence, that's how I give a little more meaning to it. And then finally, you could even go so, insofar as to say that we don't even know what others think. And it's not caring what others think of you. Mm -hmm. It's rather caring what you think mm -hmm. others are thinking of you. Mm -hmm. So if Nancy right now didn't nod her head but shook her head like this, I would say, oh, God, I just said something stupid. Nancy doesn't like it. She thinks I'm an idiot. Who knows? Maybe the fly was there and she just you know went like that, right? Yeah. But little – Thank you for nodding though, Nancy, but little, <laughs> but we all know it, right? I mean, little things like eye rolls or, or anything, and we are projecting meaning. So the reason I think Scott didn't care about the anti-masker was because he didn't care. The, the anti-masker's opinion didn't align with him. Now, if that was someone he did care, whose opinion he did care about it, let's say Scott is pro-masker and here's a pro-masker yelling at Scott about something. I could see Scott as, as I was saying, uh Oh, what I do wrong and projecting meaning onto that person and feeling I did something. So we care, I think, because we want to survive, but really if we can look at it and say, I don't even know what the heck this person is thinking, mm -hmm. I am projecting meaning onto them, which is then reflecting and coming back to me. And then I'm saying, see, the world sucks because Nancy thinks I'm stupid because she shook her head. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately when we don't take a break and we don't, analyze it that way we all have misunderstandings we're always two ships in the night passing and kind of the the root of all of our 
problems on a micro and a macro level. So that's how I'd answer that question. Thank you for sharing that because it, it makes me think of uh, something that I've experienced and probably continue to experience. And it's that never ending story. I think I shared this with every single one of you, you know, the New York times bestseller that gets written in my head every single day and that someone does something, whether it's previous day, previous week, and I'm still sitting there and, you know, develop doing the further, uh, character development, breaking all these different situations. Like, what are they thinking now? Are they thinking what I'm thinking? Do they want to do the same stuff? But I think there's something really valuable that you mentioned, and that's choosing to challenge my own assumptions, expectations, and really my own story, my own narrative. Yeah. Because which it's, you're then it's not so much about like what they think, you know, what they think of me is kind of their journey to go on, but it's more, but it is, you're right. It's about what I think about what they think. That's really the challenge that I run into. And that's where the story really forms, at least for me. And, and it's what you think about what they possibly think. Yeah. Right. So you are, and so you literally to Bodhi are saying, Bodhi's looking at me that way. I'm going to put meaning into him. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to, I am going to do this. I, Oleg, I'm going to shoot that meaning back at me, which probably supports a conclusion you had in mind already and go, see, I knew it. Yeah. And then just walk mm -hmm. away with your narrative and story mm -hmm. and then get mad at Bodhi or just ignore him or, or then try and please him even more. Right. The next time you see him, because you have that you, you're projecting. So it's so hard to do because we need to survive and, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're people and we need relationships and so on. But um, if you can kind of, at the very least, just even know you're doing it, have one foot, have one toe out of the matrix where you can just kind of giggle at what you're doing then it, it, I mean, it alleviates the anxiety. It alleviates midlife crisis. It just, you just, you can kind of you take yourself not too seriously. Mm -hmm. Bodhi. I love going last because each one of y'all just nailed um, everything about this. But I think, I think the topic, you know, like even survive to thrive, like going along with, with this topic alone, I think speaks volumes to it. Me personally, I do care. Uh, if I'm in uniform, I'm representing uh, the military. If and anybody, whatever company, whatever brand you're associated with, you represent that brand. So in a way, yeah, I think we um, even if we don't admit it, even if we're like, I don't care what they think, you care about that, that brand. And my family, I mean, my wife and my girls, I absolutely care. I'm like Scott on that one. I absolutely care what they uh, think about me and the way they perceive me and family. But I think it goes along the lines of um, the relationship you have with someone. Mm -hmm. And if somebody cuts in front of me in traffic and gives me a finger, I don't have that relationship with them. And I just, I write it off and I'm like, that's oh, their problem. And I could care less what they think. Now, if one of my friends does that, then I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I become apologetic to them. But uh, I, I think a lot of times too, it's, we don't want people to have a misconception of us. So we may do something thinking one thing. We don't want someone to think something else of us. Mm -hmm. So I think we try to please people with that. We will find ourselves doing something and going back and apologizing and trying to explain it. So I think in that regards, we do. But it's because of either, you know, how they're going to see us, how they're going to see our brand. But I think it, when it gets unhealthy, when you start changing who you are just to please someone else to where you're not even comfortable with you, mm -hmm. uh, I think is when that becomes a problem. And, and honestly, I think it happens more times than not with 
especially younger people, teenagers, social media, I think doesn't help a whole lot with that. But uh, I, the older I've gotten, the the more I would say that I personally, you know, don't really care how people perceive uh, how I do certain things about my life because I'm at that stage where I'm like, it's my life, but I still do. So it's kind of a, it's it's a touchy subject. It's a good one though. Do you ever find yourself apologizing for literally just being who you are? I think we all do to an extent. Um, sometimes our personalities, people don't get it. You end up apologizing for, I have, I have a very outgoing type A personality. And I, I find myself, you know, apologizing if it's the first time I've interacted with someone or, um, you know, if I say something and I'm like, oops, maybe shouldn't have said that. Uh, and someone took it the wrong way. So there have been times where I've had to do that. I'm sure Scott's probably had the same thing uh, as well. But yeah, it's just, yeah. Scott, do you ever find that? Have you ever been in those situations, especially at the 7 a.m., Scott? So Oleg is referring about how I used to go to this organization called BNI, Business Networking International, that meets at 7 in the morning. And I would have coffee and I would go in there raging. Now, y'all might think I'm just some retiring, quiet little person who's sitting in a corner, but that's not who I am at 7 o'clock in the morning with some coffee. And did I have to apologize? I made sure they were awake. <laughs> But I, I, I think Bodhi is right, right? Like, I love to just be out there and say whatever comes into my mind. And there are times when I've said things that I didn't need to say, or I've been overwhelming. And the person, I might not have been as sensitive as I could be to the verbal cues that they might be giving or to whatever internal feeling states that they might have inside. And so I wanted to pull back. Casey, you said something earlier, though, that I really wanted to tap into a little bit because there's a little bit of a conundrum in there. And that is, I think that you're right, being aware that we are projecting meaning into and onto the body language and behaviors and other cues that we get from others is a valuable skill to have. And it's one that took me far too long to really get a handle on. On the other hand, that may work in certain individual one-on-one -on -one interactions where there's a certain relationship or maybe even not, or maybe where there's a great deal of distance. But in the highly politicized work environments that I'm in or that I'm talking about earlier that I might have been in, fortunately that I've escaped, understanding being able to read the cues and having confidence in your ability to interpret what's going on around you can be life or death because in a lot of those environments, and Bodhi may actually have some sympathy here, he might not. In big law, I suspect is probably like this too. You, It's too dangerous. It's not safe to say, I think that you thought this, that, and the other let's talk about that. Or this was my story about what you were saying. Is it true? I tell you, for instance, the story, and I've shared this before on the show about the boss who told everyone in the room, Scott, you should put a pistol in your mouth and shoot yourself. You sound so stupid when you talk. Really would I have gone up to her and said, you know, I'm taking a cue from your body language as well as what you were saying <laughs> that you think I'm an idiot. And, and can we talk about that a little bit? Am I interpreting that correctly? That wouldn't have been safe. I suspect there's at least a decent chance she would have said, no, 
it was you understood me completely and would i have needed to know that <laughs> and, and and you're talking more nonverbal i understand but i think that that's something that we should throw into the mix realistically that is only that deeper dive is only available to us or the ability to act on the the fact that we're putting a story on someone else is a very limited possibility mm-hmm. realistic possibility in many circumstances mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not saying approach everyone and say hold their hand and bring out some prayer beads and say kumbaya and let's talk about it even though i am in california i'm not i'm not suggesting that i'm <laughs> there's one thing around how we are aware of a situation and then because we are in this matrix or this world, one thing about how we behave. So behavior, sure. You know, pick up on the cues, give cues yourself, all of that. So I'm not saying don't, you need human, the world communicates. Words are very clumsy. Words are horrible. We think they're exact, but that's why developers have programming languages. You don't build an app in English or French. You build it in a programming language because a programming language is very exact. Is the button red? Is it crimson? Is it right? Just give me a red button that says free free trial. Like you can't do that. So it's the same thing in normal day to day. That's why things are lost. That's why there's a movie loss in translation. I'm not saying the behavior needs a change. What I'm saying is to the question of why do you care about what others think of you? You want to internally be aware that one, you probably don't know what they're thinking. So even in a highly politicized nature, you really don't know. And that's okay. Just be aware of that. Two, you can guess. And being humans, we probably know she's foaming at the mouth or being a bully because she's insecure. Maybe she had a bad day. Who knows what it is, right? <clears throat> but just being being aware of this ability and then being aware of why you care. You may say, geez, I care because I'm afraid of losing my job because I'm afraid of my self-worth because my parents drilled into me, always do what your authorities talk about because I represent the military. And if, and then I'll be, this is the flag I'm defending because as Caleb mentioned, I, my life may depend on it because I'm a, I'm a minority and there's a policeman walking up to my car right now and we know what happens here. Right. So I mean, just being aware of the meaning you're giving to it. And if that meaning is going to keep your body alive, like by all means, play the game, right? What I'm simply saying, sadly, what I'm simply saying is that behavior is one thing. Play the game. I play it all the time. But just being aware of of the meaning you're giving to it enables me to kind of snicker and giggle behind it. So if we take Caleb's very serious situation of Mm -hmm. I'm going to play this game because I don't want to be shot. You also can kind of take a step back and say, okay, I'm giving meaning onto this person who's a police man or police woman. They have a very stressful job. They may be as nervous as I am. They're walking up. I need to show compassion as much as I hope they show compassion to me. I'm not going to let the media and all of that come into. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can go through, go go through this situation, or also just say, "I'm I'm scared shitless right now," and mm-hmm. uh, I just have to really be aware that like what happens on TV is now happening to me now. Okay. I got it. Those are thoughts running through my mind. Keep your hands on the wheel. Don't do it. You know, it's that awareness about care is that I'm talking about how you behave 
absolutely, we have to play the game. Mm-hmm. Nancy? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really like that distinction around awareness, like one thing to know what I'm doing and one thing to act on it. Uh, and that's where, when, when you were talking, Scott, the word that was coming to my ma- mind based on what you were sharing your experience was discernment. Right, like we use our discernment in a moment to say, okay, does this person, does this situation require me to clarify anything? Mm-hmm. Right, and it's a discernment that we would do at that point, and and that is great. Like that, like our ability to have that discernment is really important. Um, what really resonates for me in terms of that awareness piece that Casey's talking about is the importance of recognizing our patterns. So we may have some very um, extreme examples. So I, I mean, I, I think that example, I'm, I'm sorry that you had that experience, Scott. That's a terrible experience for anyone to have, whether at work or anywhere else. And it's such an extreme. That's why I was shocked because I'm like, I have never experienced something that extreme. Um, so we will have these extreme uh, experiences on either side. What the awareness for me allows me to do is to say, what's my pattern on a day-to-day basis? Because chances are, if I run a pattern around, you know, I liked how you said, oh, like writing that New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. chances are I do that all the time. It's not something I do just at work or yeah. just with family or something. It's, it's a pattern I have now run and it is serving me mm-hmm. <laughs> for whatever You'll reason. You'll get published one day. but Right? Like you know? it's, it's doing something for me. Otherwise, why would I be doing it? Mm-hmm. It's serving me. I may not like to acknowledge that it's serving me. I may say, oh, you know what? I don't know why I do that. I do. It's serving me. It either gives me comfort. It's an opportunity for me to just kind of work through it without having to actually work at it. Uh, but the awareness, once I become aware to be like, oh, okay, so wait a minute. Like I did that here and I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing here. And I, uh, oh, I noticed it here too. And I recently did this with myself and realized that there's these three relationships where I always have tension in. And these are relationships that are important to me. So that's why I was thinking about, that's why they were coming up for me. But I all of a sudden figured out that I'm running the same pattern in all three relationships. And as soon as I became clear, I was like, ah. And so now I have an opportunity to say, okay, do I continue running the pattern? Like am I, because, and I think that's where that survival thing is to say, maybe for now, that's fine. I just know that I'm doing it. I'm aware that it is not a, not a helpless, I don't know why I'm doing it situation anymore. I feel very much in control, but now I can decide. And what I've chosen to do is, okay, well, rather than tackling all three, let me start with one. <laughs> and I can now be like, is it what part of my pattern would I like to do differently? Because I recognize I don't want this to run this way anymore. I don't want to do it this way. But before the awareness of it, it is just an automatic autopilot thing and I'm getting irritated and that, that's happening. So I think that's where for me, the awareness of why do I care? Mm-hmm. That awareness of it comes up. And then as soon as I can pick up, there's a repetition in it. Then I can see, I play the story. I press play on the storyline in a lot mm-hmm. of areas and it's just become my way of doing it. And now I have an opportunity to say, do I want to do this again? Maybe yes fine, but now I do it with free will or maybe no. Mm-hmm. I, okay, great. So now what do I do about it? I think that's for where for me that awareness and that discernment comes in to make some decisions. 
you know, I, I'll just, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, um, I think talking to strangers. And at the yeah. end, there's a part about a, a many different situations, but one of them is about an African-American woman pulled over in Texas, a police officer and with a, a bad ending. Um, he didn't, he doesn't do it there, but later on, uh, I won't give it away. Please read it. But to, to Nancy's point about discernment, um, there was a dispute around her having a cigarette and he's a, and, and if he had come in with a certain level of awareness and discernment and realize, Bodhi, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just a cigarette. It's not a sign of disrespect for me. Mm-hmm. She's probably had a bad day. Who knows what this woman has gone through, which she had. Um, I'm just gonna, instead he gets fed up and he wants to pull her out and it, it just goes, goes haywire there. And you, you see that with your children when they're acting up, you see that with horrible bosses, but it's that level of discernment. It doesn't mean you give in. It doesn't mean you let people walk over you. It doesn't mean you're, you know, uh, a pushover, but it's that level of discernment that, um, I think many, um, peace officers have. I mean, we only hear the bad ones. I think there's plenty of, of white police officers who have that discernment and that, and it works, right? And we don't hear about those cases. Um, but, but the ones we do hear about are the examples where, where they don't have that. And I think discernment is a, is a great word and, and, um, and, and kind of goes along with that idea of awareness. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Bodhi? Yeah, I think the, I'm glad y'all brought up like the awareness piece and discernment. I think that's, that's great to kind of transition this into because I think a lot of times we have blind spots in our lives. We have stuff that we are not aware of how we react to something, how we handle something. And you can have somebody tell you, uh, you know, Scott and I may not know each other and he can come up to me and tell me that I'm doing something wrong or I'm I'm I, I'm bad at this or I handle this situation inappropriately. But it's that level of how much you care about someone or how much they they mean to you. Whereas, you know, Casey and I can we could have known each other forever and he could tell me the exact same thing. And it really resonates with me hearing it from him. He's the right person I need to hear it from um, at that time. And I think that um, our sense of acceptance, you know, wanting acceptance from people, uh, survival has been brought up here as well. And aware, I mean, all that stuff factors into it. I mean, to get to where we are, we continue to grow and we grow based off that feedback that we receive from people and especially the people we really care about. And uh, like I said, somebody can tell you something is just not the right person at the right time, but uh, it, it comes from the right person. That awareness kicks in and, and we realize like, wow, I have been doing that wrong. Even though 10 other people have told you the same thing, it's coming from someone that you genuinely care about how they perceive you. Uh, it, you value it a lot more. What do you think plays a critical piece? I'm glad that you mentioned that, Bodhi, about relationships. So I, I've learned that some of the relationships that I've had, I used to think that the feedback or the, at least the honest feedback depended largely on the level of trust that I had with the individual. But what I realized over time is that that wasn't ultimately always the case because there have been situations where it was a one-time encounter and the person just tells it to me off the bat. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is how I'm processing it. And so it challenged my own assumptions around that, okay, I need to develop almost like a a rapport with this individual before they can give me the honest truth. In your experience and just based on what you've been through in life, what do you think contributes to that, to being able to give someone the honest, just brutally honest feedback about anything in life? I definitely think there's got to be some sort of like rapport or trust there. Um, Otherwise, I mean, we've all probably had it happen to us before where someone's told you something, you kind of know 
there's like a kernel of truth as to what they're saying. And when you walk away, you're like, uh, yeah, but I don't really know him like that. He doesn't know me. Like, and you almost talk yourself out of it. But I think when you have that, that foundation of trust where you've, you know, had some sort of experience or connection with them, I think that's kind of what instills it in you a little bit more. Um, I think it's easier to write off if you don't have that um, going into it. And I think we have, I've, I've had that recently with me where someone's told me something and I'm like, okay, you, you know, me in passing, I appreciate it. But, uh, <laughs> in my, but in my mind, I'm like spot on, but you, 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 you don't like admit it to them, but then you turn around to someone, you know, and they tell you and you're like, wow, that, you know, I've heard that before. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you value it and you start to make that change because you really care what this person thinks about you. But I don't I don't care. That could have been a one off. I just don't care what that person thinks. So I think it has to it really depends on that, uh, the extent of the relationship. But even if it is the truth in that situation, why did you choose not to acknowledge it to that person? Because I think it's how kind of going back to how people perceive us. And um, mm. I mean, it's even I mean, you think back to grade school. What do they do in grade school? They recognize the ones who are great, the ones who've achieved, you know, greatness. They get a bumper sticker and a button for their parents and they go up on stage and get all A's and B's. And that's kind of a trend we have um, throughout our life. And you want to be accepted. You want people to to look at you and say you're doing great. And when someone calls you out, you you on anything, it can be the way your uniform looks. It can be the way you spoke to someone. We, we kind of take it a little personal. Mm-hmm. And we never like to be told we got to improve on something or get better at something. So we take it personal. And uh, yeah, if we don't know them, we just kind of write it off. And, and but if we do, then we want them to see us up on stage with that certificate and to see us doing better than what we really are. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. This has been a truly fascinating conversation. I hope that all everyone that's on the call right now has been able to even see by the comments people would genuinely do truly do care about a subject like this but out of respect for everyone's time i want to briefly open it up to what are some ways that people can connect with you and and learn more about your work and casey i'm going to start off with you thank you yeah i run leave law behind i help unhappy attorneys to leave their law job and uh, find new dream careers outside of law in a different industry. So contact me at Casey, C-A-S-D-Y at leavelawbehind.com. Awesome. And Scott Mason. You're muted, Scott. Can't hear you. See, I care. We care. Uh, you you care. <laughs> Did Bodie turn off my mic? Was that Casey trying to stop me from arguing? Nancy, were you just being discerning for the audience and shutting me off? So you can find out more about me at speakerscott.com, scott at speakerscott.com. And please do look up my podcast, Scott Mason's Purpose Highway at purposehighway.com. I tell the stories of entrepreneurs and other leaders who have connected to a higher purpose to build a better self and a better world. Awesome. Nancy John. Awesome. Well, first off, thank you for having us here for this conversation. I mean, I feel like we simply scratched at like a surface. So oh, yeah. uh, thank you for having us. Yeah. So I am uh, the CEO and co-founder of Seed Leadership. We work with high performing introverted leaders who are looking to expand their leadership. And is that just a dot com? Seedleadership.com? 
It's seedleadershipdevelopment.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we work with high-performing introverted leaders um, who want to, you know, take leadership to the next level, expand their leadership without necessarily feeling the need to be more outgoing uh, mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So you can reach me. You can check out my website uh, to learn more. LinkedIn is one of the best ways to reach me. So you can just look me up, Nancy John, um, and I'd be happy to connect. That's awesome. Bodhi. Yeah, I'm uh, hosting a podcast, the Shadows podcast. We basically hear real people's stories, kind of chronicle uh, trials and tribulations they've been through. Just just about everybody on here has been on an episode or has one coming up. I got to connect with Nancy now um, so that she's in the group. But uh, you can find us on Instagram, the underscore shadows podcast. And uh, also, you know, you go there. We got our link tree on all the different podcast platforms that we're available on. That's awesome. I just want to thank all of you and everyone that chose to tune in, Jessica, Caleb, and sharing all your perspectives and really make the, making this space possible. I think what I've learned throughout my own experience and why I chose to do what I do is that there were very few spaces where I was able to freely express what it is that I think and how it is that I feel about certain topics. I think this is a great example of it. So just really appreciate the four of you or the six of you, or however many of you that have been tuning in and sharing all your insights. Because it, at the end of the day, it's yes, it's the five of us that start the conversation, but the conversation only goes so far. And so having other people's perspectives and opinions really does help move the needle forward and ask other questions that we may not have thought of before. So just want to appreciate and acknowledge all of you for being a part of it. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of our latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.